Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, how are you, brother? Uh, I feel like I just got done recording with you. It just seems like it's only been a little while, but yeah, I'm good today. I'm good. I'm a little tired, but I'm good. It was a couple days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a couple days ago. But then again, this this particular episode coming out on Veterans Day, and we asked two special guests to come be a part of it with us and be a part of a discussion um, as seasoned NCOs who have a combined, what you said earlier, almost a combined total of 100 years of military service here. Uh, between the four of us. And yep. uh, we wanted to ask them on and ask their opinion and kind of look back at some of the topics that we want to talk about are from uh, the Green Notebook type situation. Um, and it goes through five different points of things that newer NCOs or new leaders, we could put it, uh, should try try to remember or learn uh, as they're going through. What are your thoughts, man? Well, one, this will be the first episode that we don't give a shameless plug to the Bearded Ninja. And uh, two, uh, off-limit topic is the NFL. So that's off limits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he said it. He busted it open. Uh, we actually got the Bearded Ninja back on today, uh, Rick Williams. And then we also brought on another uh, colleague of ours. Um, we call him Funeral Firm back, I think it was on Facebook. That was your thing. Uh, but Quentin <laughs> Furman, he's about to retire. When are you retire, man? 1 October 2020. Wow. Right around the corner. Uh, he, he's about to retire and then join the civilian sector. Of course, uh, the, the, it's probably wide open for him and all the experience he has also. So we brought these guys back. We brought them both on, uh, and we wanted to make this discussion about basically the topic is five tips to help new NCOs succeed. And, and, and this could work for, it doesn't matter. It could work for uh, civilian entities. It could work within your family. I mean, it could work within the community, whatever you'll be a part of. Uh, right off the bat, guys, how are you? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Good. Good to see you. Yeah. Well, it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned a shameless plug. Uh, should we talk about the bearded uh, ninja beard bomb? Beard, beard bomb we talked about. Uh, that was just last a couple episodes ago. Yeah. It's made of snake venom and pomade. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, from what I, I heard, this is through a grapevine, yeah. the snake venom is actually from a real snake, and there possibly is snakes living in his beard. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's, I can hey, either confirm or deny the, uh, the allegations at hand. <laughs> What's that, brother? It's it's the beard bomb for the guy that wants a fantastic beer, but also likes to listen to the cracking of mice bones while the snake feeds. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite the product. So it's not really out to the public. It's a restricted item, so don't ask for it. <laughs> With that. Um, so we're going to hey, let's get right into this because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. We have a little bit of time uh, to really talk about it. And then but really this what this is about is kind of, you know, new NCOs and the, all four of us. We all got to work in the same place. And it's really dealing with young soldiers becoming non-commissioned officers uh, right off the bat. Furman, what when it comes down to that. Right. And you've done it. You've been here how many years now? What, three, two years, three years, two and a half, two and a half years. All right. What what's some of the some of the stuff that you've kind of gained? Because obviously going from the line, or or you also worked, you got to work with new LTs. Yes. Coming from all that, what are some of the things that you've kind of learned and seen coming here, just off the top of your head, maybe? 
Uh, it's different from off the line to now instructing new NCOs. Um, having them in your, your unit already, mm-hmm. uh, they knew the do's and don'ts from you. You knew the do's and don'ts from them. They also knew your personality. You knew their personality. Coming to the NCO Academy, you don't know these people's right. personality. Yeah. Um, so you gauge them. I say it takes two days to gauge their personality and what they know about the military, what they don't know about the military, mm-hmm. what, they're, what they're willing to share, um, and what their their leaders right. has either taught them or not taught them. You see it day two. So let me ask you, what, do, we, do you think it heightens your ability to gauge someone too, to yes. be able to assess yes. that type of leader? And, and I think, I think uh, based off being here, it makes it, it helps you focus more on you as an NCO as well. Right. What you can do to somebody you've mm-hmm. never met based off somebody you've known probably for four years that was in your squad. Okay. Or, or two, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. But you, uh, so, Rick, you've been here. I don't know. Do we call you Rick or the beard? Uh, uh, Rick's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rick, so you've been here how long? About 10 years. 10 years. So we're going off a two and a half year stint because basically he would be the shortest between the four of us um, because he got actually after slightly after us. And he actually took he took uh, he took Ed's place. Yes. Twice. And made it twice. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say something nice too. See? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But with that, so between the three of us, we don't have nearly the time because I did three and a half. Ed did three. He did two and a half. You've got more time than all of us combined. What's something you've kind of learned? So one of the things from this article that I learned and I agree with wholeheartedly is the Army made a mistake when we went to zero tolerance. Because in this article, it talks about making mistakes. Oh, yeah. And one of the things we have with the new soldiers is that they're scared to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. Whereas we learn from our mistakes. And with this zero tolerance, it's like we want to destroy everyone when they make a mistake but they're learning so part of that learning process is making mistakes Mm -hmm. so we've got to get out of that mentality that okay you're a sergeant now we expect you to be perfect because you haven't been taught to be perfect no one's perfect it takes time and experience to use what you learn Mm -hmm. to nurture and grow your soldiers and i think that zero tolerance that we've we've come accustomed to hurts us in the development of our young NCOs. Absolutely. Ed, you got any questions you want to ask him before we jump right into these sections of the five tips? I'm not speaking to one of them. Uh, and it's the one without the beard I'm not speaking to anymore. But no, I'm good, man. I'm ready to get into the article. All right. All right so, hey, so being it, I'm going to read right here what it has to say about, uh, about the NCO. But being an NCO, it's only about the, it's not only about the pay raise, right? So yeah, the pay raise is nice, but it's not about that. It's it is a lifestyle and the title of NCO becomes it comes with a series of new responsibilities from being accountable for several pieces of high value equipment to being responsible for the professional development of junior service members under your charge. Uh, The life of an NCO doesn't stop at the end of the duty day. Guys, when we when we think about that, that life of the NCO, let's just say the life of a leader. Does it does it really stop at the end of the day? And why? Why doesn't? does not <laughs> case in point you get you have these 
your young soldiers, when you become an NCO, or even before you become an NCO, you still have that that bond, that after duty hours. Okay, so let me ask you, what what is after duty hours? You know, yeah, because they say you're a soldier twenty four seven. Well, how can you say after duty hours you're not a NCO mm-hmm. no more? That's, mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. So, based off, let's consider after duty hours seventeen hundred plus. You know, on until the next day, next morning, you still have the responsibility of taking care of that person. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you, like, I, I remember a time when I was a young sergeant, I didn't know how to deal with things. And I had a kid show up to my house right. at like 930 at night here. I'm trying to put my my kid was already in bed and right. stuff. And that was like my opening point, my eye opening point. And this was years, many years ago. Shoot, that was probably 2002. And it made me realize, wow, I'm working 24-7, no matter what. Somebody calls me in the middle of the night. Um, matter of, as a matter of fact, one of the things I, ma- I, I make a point of is not to like take anything that made me sleep too hard at night, especially in Korea, because if somebody calls me or to drink alcohol or any of that stuff, because right. if they call me, I got to go do something. Exactly. Yeah, so a great point. Um, what about you? What are you thinking? I really think that leaders are accessible and you have to be accessible at any time. Uh, I probably get more phone calls about actually teaching on my personal phone number or after hours than I do during the day Mm -hmm. because you're in the classroom teaching during the day. So when are you prepping? So if you're prepping, Hey, I I need some help on this or I need something. So if, if you're a leader, they feel comfortable talking to you. They feel comfortable asking you for help, but you have to portray yourself that you're going to help them. Mm-hmm. And as long as you, you're doing that, I think that you're good to go. Yeah. But that builds on another thing is trust. Well, you're jumping right into it. Aren't yeah. You? So yeah. If, you, if, if you don't have the trust, then they're not going to, they're not going to come to you. And that's exactly the point we were going to hit next. Uh, tip number one is basically building trust with our junior members. Uh, you know, building trust and trusting others too, because there's two sides of that, right? I have to be able, not only can I ask for their trust, but also I have to be able to trust them. What does that look like? What does that look like to you all, say, in your, your points of view of building trust? Well, hey, hey, Brian, so the one thing, you know, Firm talked about it. So you build that trust when, when that soldier does call, you know, at late at night or whatever, and then you respond like that's that's a key component to building that trust because you're showing them, hey, I'll be there. And, you know, um, man, there's a soldier soldier had a drinking issue and he also always thought he was going to be the guy to leave with the girl and uh, soldiers like to leave him places and, you know, going to get him, though. I, the one time I went to get him and I turned the heat up in the car. Um you know, that built that trust with him. He understood, all right, if I get myself in a pinch, Sergeant Haley's going to come down, you know, he's going to help me out of it. But I also made sure that he understood we're, I'm not your taxi service every single weekend. But when Firm talked about that, like when you they make that call and you answer that call, you're you're really seeding that trust at that point. Yeah. I, you know, and I don't know if uh, many of you, if you guys do this much at all, uh, something that I'm, I'm kind of, fond of doing right off the bat is telling someone, Hey, listen, my trust is gained from day one. Obviously uh, there are things, you know, they today trust, but verify type situation, but 
gaining that trust, I have to let them know right off the bat, hey, I trust you until you've done something to violate that trust just because uh, if they don't know that I'm trusting and I'm just giving them stuff to you know get things done or to come to me when they need something, then how do they really know? You know, So one of the things the author talks about here, I had a hard time kind of grasping uh, with this talks about building trust is making sure the basics are trained. Would you, do you, what do you see about that? Like training the basics and building trust? Well, one of the things I, I, when I read this article, I thought about was every day we hear people complain about supervision or lack of supervision. So if I have two people that work for me and I give them things to do, I don't necessarily have to ask them. I can go and I can check behind it myself. Mm -hmm. And then if it's done, guess what? That person is gaining my Mm -hmm. trust. But I don't have to go ask them every time, did you do this? Mm -hmm. Did you do this? Did you do this? That's part of being a leader is doing that supervisory job. Now, a lot of times we don't do the supervision and then we say that the soldier has failed us. We, I can't trust you anymore. But what did you do to make sure that the parameters for that trust were in place? Mm-hmm. And it goes back to an old adage when I was a young sergeant. If you have a, tell a private to clean a weapon and you don't check it this time, they clean it the first time. Yes. The second time, they clean it less. The third time you don't check it, you get that call in the middle of the night from the commander that your weapons are dirty in the arms room because they know there's no supervision. Mm-hmm. So we have to teach them how to supervise. And that's why we're moving back to the basics of having an in-ranks inspection where you look in that soldier's eyes and you see, are they sober? Are they drunk? Are they happy? Are they sad? Mm -hmm. So then you can start developing more of that trust on a personal level. So you know this soldier, so you know who to give that task and who not to. Yeah. Individually. Yes. Yeah. Because you have to look at them individually. You were, you were not only if you taught here at the academy, but you also taught at what's called iBullock with young junior officers, but you also were a drill sergeant. So you've had much like, Rick, you've had multiple years of training new people. What are just some of the aspects that you realized were uh, a positive point for you to gain their trust and they gain yours? Uh, I go back to being a drill sergeant. Uh, I really didn't want to be a drill sergeant. Uh, it was, <laughs> I'm not going to say I was forced to, but when I was a drill sergeant, it made, me, it made me realize the type of NCO I wanted to end my career with. I started a drill, I started being a drill sergeant when I was at E6, right? So, you know, they say the E6 is the technically the real backbone of the NCO Corps uh, because you're the first, first very first line supervisor. Um, <clears throat> when I became a drill sergeant, you know, the civilians coming in to being soldiers or whatever uh, helped me build that trust or helped me trust them, mm-hmm. if, if you were. Uh because they didn't know whatever home training they had, mm-hmm. you know, was their home training. I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. They didn't know me. Right. So you like you said earlier, you said that. And when I went in day zero of that, I said, hey, your trust right now from me or to me is up here. Right. Right now. Mm-hmm. Don't up know high. you. You yep. don't know me until like you said, until you do stuff that to you don't do stuff. I tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. Then. Layers by layer, your trust is going is going to go down. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, I think you I think you have to set that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a and going through Ibo, like I had a different perspective with lieutenants. Yes. You know, being that I went to Ibo, like I personally had a, a different perspective 
from the sentence because now I knew what they went through. Yeah. I knew what they were going through. And, you know, we when you a platoon sergeant or you get that lieutenant, you know, you don't know what that lieutenant been through if you don't know the procedures of how they become an officer. Me, me being an eyeballing helped me build that trust as well. And I, and I, I, I want to say it helped them build trust in all NCOs when they graduated. You know, so. Like you said, I think. It, we can cut it out. It all comes up by you establishing that. Hey. Right. I'm going to trust you. Right. Hopefully you trust me until one of us do something where we can't be trustworthy. Now, to bring that back. Yeah. My question to you is, do you bring, how do you bring that back to them trusting you when something happens? How do you bring it back? See that? To me, that's one of the toughest things you could do. To me, like that's a tough one, really. You know, when I think about like, how do you bring back that trust? Because I don't know, there's multiple times. I think it depends upon the person. Right. It okay. depends upon the person and the actions that they took. Because how did they violate that trust? What right. What was the yeah. instance in it? So you, it's almost like you have to go deeper. Or as uh, John Rogers used to tell us all yeah. the time, peel back that onion yeah. to find out was it intentional? Yeah. Was it not intentional? Was it something that was just an oversight that they thought was okay? Right. I mean, there's multiple aspects of that. So that's kind of like one of those things where I really have to evaluate it. If it's a if it's a lying case, yeah. because I look at it as integrity is my foundation with anybody. Integrity, just come to me with the truth. If you mess up, yeah. we can fix it together. But if you lie to me about it, right. we're gonna have problems. You know. So so based off what you just said, these young NCOs, right? They haven't been taught that. Yeah. So when the first time these young NCOs see somebody make a mistake, they're rah rah rah. Mm-hmm. Because they wasn't told when they made a mistake, it was rah rah rah. It yeah. wasn't tell me what you did. Let's fix it, or let's see how we can fix it. So th- coming up brand new E five, they don't know because they wasn't taught that. Right. And I think that's the biggest difference from us four now to these young NCOs coming up. Yes. Well, I want to interject something because you guys are hitting it on the on the head, but the piece that I didn't hear was. Tell me why you made that decision so I can think about your thought process Mm -hmm. so I can correct that thought process or I can see where you're at and say you weren't wrong. You just executed wrong, but you weren't wrong in your thought process on your decision making process to fix that problem. That's what I see is we hurry up and get to the solution instead of going through that detailed planning and go, okay, where was the planning flawed? Did I set you up for success or did I set you up for failure? Because if I set you up for success and you failed, then what did I not do to train you for success? Oh, yeah. And I think we don't take ownership uh, lots of times when they mess up. We just go, well, he's young. He messed up. Let's do this. Or she's young. Let's do this. Instead of going, okay, had you ever been in charge of some of movement before? Have you ever been in charge? And the and the soldier says no. Then you go, probably could have given some more supervision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what though? I think this all boils down to one key thing for, in a sense, for a young NCO starting right off the bat that everybody seems to think they don't have time for is the counseling piece. And whether it's verbal or written, verbal is just as good. Let me walk with you down the street and let's talk about things and saying, listen, 
my integrity and your integrity are very key to our relationship to build the trust. One, two, come to me if you have if something if you wreck the vehicle, come to me and we will take care of it and try to ensure nothing bad happens. But if you hide things, it just turns it and it's it's open communication, which that's one of the tips we're going to get to is about communication. But right here, I, this is one of the things I also liked about this. Along with training, make sure that you take an interest in your personnel and listen to their ideas and suggestions. Listening to those ideas and suggestions um, of, of your subordinates in the past, how do you think that has helped you as becoming a better leader? <laughs> We're both laughing because this happens to us on a daily basis. I know it does. <laughs> you want to start this one, Ed? <laughs> Ed knows what it's like. What, listening to, say it again? I'm listening to y'all talking, so trying to find my spot. <laughs> <laughs> He said, uh, he said I, I said, listen to their ideas and suggestions and how it has helped you in your career past. Well, uh, so one thing is, too, for you, it's you checking your ego because you can learn something from them. So right now, my big struggle, and, and I've talked about numerous times, is I work with all captains that I'm supposed to wrangle. Um, and, and they are not big on listening to your suggestions. So you got to be real forceful with them. But then there's also some staff sergeants around. And, and when you listen to them, Maybe their suggestion is good, but then that's where our experience comes in that we might be able to refine it and make it even better. Um, and, and then you get that Mr. Uh, Rick's favorite thing. We get some buy-in from them too when we do that and we listen to them and we have our input and then they're like, you know what? Yeah, that works. Especially so training around here is 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 less than stellar. So there's two of us here that have just come from, we came here from teaching, uh, facilitating. So we actually when we go to training, we pull the instructor aside and we try to help them and we listen to their suggestions. And some of them, like, you know, I listen to them. I'm like, Hey, that's pretty good. I might use that one day. So I, you listen to them, not only are you helping them, but I think really we develop ourselves as well. Well, one of the things that I think is that you did here, Ed, that really surprised me is you took two or three staff sergeants under your wing when you got here because you were the same MOS and you could communicate with them on what they needed to do to get promoted and how they needed to be on their Facebook page and the things for their MOS. And <laughs> guess what? Both of them are promotable yeah. and they credit you with the mentorship. So they had the ability to say, this person is looking out for my well-being. I'm going to listen to what they said. Uh, that's a that's a big big key piece of the trust is is that person looking out for me? Transparency, right? I mean, if you look at transparency uh, in how you operate, firm, because I know it was uh, it wasn't uh, it was not a shock when I met firm that he is very vocal and transparent in everything he does. Like there's no hiding of anything. Like it is all up front. I am who I am. It uh, what, blunt force I am trauma. what I am. Is what I used to say. Yeah, <laughs> blunt force trauma. But with that being transparent, how do you think that has helped you with your career? From? Uh, it's helped me a lot. Um, and I got that from my very first squad leader uh, when I was a private. Uh, he, he was that person. Uh, and you either got the bad side of him or you got the good side of him. Right. And I always try to obviously I always try to stay on the good side of him. But uh, he listened. He listened to all of us as privates and he, he sometimes he incorporated but sometimes he said i hear you but 
if we do that, A, B, and C is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if, if you explain what will happen if we if we take these ideas, whether it's, whether you're going to do it or not, whether it's positive or negative, I think the, the soldier itself will get a better understanding of, oh, okay, I can see why that wouldn't work, or I can see why this will work 33%. And then mm-hmm. the rest will, will fall on the wayside. It, it's helped me a lot. And I've learned throughout my time to listen to what my supporters had to say. Right. Like I said, whether we incorporated it into the training or not. Yes. But I told them, well, if, if we do this, this might get happen. This might get happen. It was like, oh, okay. I see what you mean. So I'm firm. All right, cool. But it, it, I, I didn't always say, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to do it. That's a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. I've never said that in my in my career. Yeah, I've said that to my leaders that that's my idea. I've never said it to people bringing it up to me. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's it's also to me it kind of you look at things when I say about being transparent too. I think about if you you have those leaders where it's almost like they held on to every little tidbit of information like it's a power grab. Like I don't understand that. Like if I got the information, everyone needs it. Yes. Now if it's secret or top secret, understood, got it. That's understandable. But it's that. If I have information, I need to make sure everybody has. I used to, I mean, I used to blow you guys up with text messages, yes. like left and right. And yes. it got to a point where they said, hey, can you slow back? Because yes. we had multiple coming from different people. And we did that. Got kind of crazy. Did get crazy, <laughs> yes. Crazy. But, but I would much rather have too much information than not <laughs> enough information. I'll give you an example. We weren't here yesterday. There was a meeting. When I came in this morning and Furman came in, yeah. there was an email of the notes of the of the meeting. Why do you think that was there? Because when I go to the meeting, I come back and I debrief right away. This is what was said. This is what mm-hmm. was done. Furman does the same thing. Gotcha. And the reason for that is if everyone in the organization knows the goal and we're moving towards the goal line, yeah. we can all participate. Yeah. And it should not stop. Just like your company is running, even though you're not there. It may not be running perfectly, but it's running because you disseminated yeah. information. They knew you were going to be gone and they know how to work without you. Mm-hmm. These young NCOs need to know we're giving them the power and the responsibility and the authority yes. to run things. Yes. And if you make a, a mistake, we're not going to kill you. We're going to analyze it and we're going to make sure we don't make the same mistake twice. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what sometimes as we move up the ranks, we forget about. Yeah. yeah. Also, also, excuse me, Ed hit it on the spot when he, when he said that's right. He said, you got to check your ego at the door. Yeah. Like you, you can't think you're bigger than somebody or you might could think that but you can't voice it <laughs> why would you voice that yeah because then they definitely not going to trust you yeah. like for anything and yeah. forever yeah yeah hey so i mean i think of, i think of a go ahead Ed. oh no so the one thing too so y'all are talking so when i got here a lot of the stuff was done by captains like oh threes and above right a lot of the meetings were attended by them a lot of the planning because we do a lot of like, like i said we do logistics planning and and, and they tried to make me the coffee guy. They tried to make me the slide clicker. And I was like, okay, so I'm not that. And that's the reason we have MLC now, by the way. I'm not that. I can do more than that. So they start having me right seat with the captain to a meeting. And then now the captain is TDY. So I'm going to the meeting. And then the captain's like, what happened at the meeting? And I, I go back and I'm back briefing them, presenting notes. You know what I mean? Like I'm answering uh, uh, questions in the meeting. And now they're like, oh, okay, well, Haley's got it. And now the captain will be on leave. Like these are captains that were user lose because they were afraid to go on leave. 
and now they're going to leave. So mm-hmm. one of the staff sergeants in our mobility area, he goes to meetings and he's always like, oh, I'll get you an answer as soon as I talk to captain, blah, blah, blah. And he come to me and he goes, hey, Sarn, do you think I'm a, a, ter- a like a terrible soldier? I said, no, but you're doing the old NCO thing where they're going to think you're only good for being a place setter in the meeting. You have to come to that meeting armed and prepared to answer questions to make decisions and so with that i think that soldier and me it it was a bond at that moment like you know that mentorship that oh he doesn't even work with me that builds that trust and i just told him how it is like those captains don't have to Mm -hmm. make all the decisions you can make a decision you're a senior staff sergeant fitting to be e7 so that's old army we're not making coffee anymore Let's talk about one time when Weber decided he was making too many decisions and fixing everybody's problem. <laughs> oh. He had this saying, you're not going to leave that monkey on my desk. Yeah. <laughs> was that not it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's because yeah. Keep your monkey. Keep your monkey. You, you can talk to me about it. Yeah. And you can make a decision. Don't drop it on my desk for me to make the decision. Yeah. You need to be part of the decision process, making process, because everyone was coming to him for everything everything and he's like no i don't want to take away your duties and your responsibility as a non-commissioned officer come to me with a solution not just a problem yeah to show me that you're invested in what's going on i i would definitely tell you that uh my senior ncos right now where i'm at they are they're appreciative of what i learned during that time frame because I did learn something. I learned the fact that, hey, listen, allow them to make the decisions, run with the ball, allow the young NCOs, the young Joes to make their own decisions and stuff like that to, to really carry out the mission. So, for, you know, I want to go back to what Ed said, though. But he basically said is they thought I was going to do the old thing. But what I did was is I showed my capabilities to build the trust. And I think that's a that's a good turnoff point to go to the next area. But one last point is trust is a two-way street based on mutual respect and relationship building. So just remember that. Where it leads us into don't forget your roots. Because in a sense, what he just said was, is this is what it used to be like. Don't forget your roots though, just in case. Remember where you came from. Uh, when, when it comes to remembering where you came from, How's that affected your relationship with your soldiers in the past, Furman? Like I said, my first, my very first squad leader, I, I was fortunate to not have a a mediocre slash toxic leader. If you oh, will. yeah. Um, so I was very fortunate. And throughout my career, I, I tried to emulate myself with that that person. Um, it, it's work. And, and some of you just going to have these soldiers who just it, – it's. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's the leader's fault, but some soldiers is just not going to be that person <laughs> that's going to trust anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe because of the upbringing, or they just did this for so many years and just wanted to get out. Mm-hmm. You're going to get those soldiers. So, so not every soldier is, is, is going to have a stellar performance. Yeah. Um. That's that's what helped me. Yeah, absolutely. So, what, remembering your roots, uh, Rick. You obviously you served. You said 24 years plus. You've also been here at least 10 years, plus all the other things you did. How does remembering where you came from help you along the road? To me, it's a little nostalgic because I've seen people that I've worked with or mentored grow. And I've seen people that adopted the same things. Mm -hmm. So I got a kid that uh, used to work for me a long time ago, probably in 99. And he... uh, just made Sergeant Major. Wow. 
and he's at the academy and he called me and well text and he was like i'm at i'm in el paso and i go okay what are you doing and he's like uh i'm building a wall and i go get out of here and he goes no i'm at the academy i'm just being funny with you (laughs) okay what are you doing there he's like i'm at the academy and so we started talking and he's like hey you changed my life. I want you to pin my rank on. And I go, I'll pin your rank on and I'll come to graduation. But let's stop talking about the emotional stuff, changing your life. <laughs> you did that. You're, you're a grown man. You got promoted. Let's let's do that. And then I told him, I said, hey, I'm not pinning your rank on unless your wife approves it. And she needs to send me a text saying that. Because what we taught him a long time ago is family. Mm-hmm. And we taught him how to do the right thing because he came from a broken home that didn't have those things. Mm-hmm. Now he's married. He's got two kids under the age of seven, and I'm telling him, you got to figure out what's important to you. And once you do that, so when you call me and you ask me these questions, it's showing me that you're not just taking your own perspective, you're taking someone else's perspective, you're analyzing that problem, and you're going to make a decision, but you were taught not to just make rash decisions. So I, I think that's where it comes for me that you always go back to that mentor or someone who helped you along the line. Mm-hmm. So you get a fresh perspective of what's going on. Uh, definitely. And I definitely think uh, not allowing it to go to your head. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the biggest thing. And it, it is. It, and it's tough too, because you're now in a, a position where you, let me, let me, let me uh, play devil's advocate on the young NCO. Now you're saying, all right, you, you used to be buddies with these guys over here. Now you need to be in charge of them. And I think it's the wording we use. You're in charge of them, you know, and now they they get this this thought in their head is I've got to run this show versus I got to build a team. I've got to make a conducive team. Is that I mean, you, you hit it up, <laughs> right? Um, based off what you just said, they go on with the devil's advocates. I, I don't I, I don't think is that young NCO is is using that. Uh, I'm in charge of you. I think it's his leader yes. saying, hey, or her leader saying, yes, you are in charge of them. But if, if if you know that this person is about to be promoted to to uh, NCO mm-hmm. to E five, let's just go E five. You should already know that. Uh, the only way you can change that is if your perception as that NCO has changed. That NCO has not changed. Yeah. You your perception is that NCO changed. Yeah. Okay. That NCO might be a little sterner. They might talk to you a little different, but. That's because he put on or she put on those stripes. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 don't get her a, 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 a bigger, bigger paycheck than you, but they do get more responsibility than you. Yes. You know, they're not in the trenches with you unless they want to be. They're supervising you in the trenches. Now. Right. So I, I think the perception is that when that happens, say we came in together, you get promoted before me. One, you should be happy for that person because y'all came together. Yeah, y'all fighting for the same goal. It's just that that person made it faster than you. You yeah. shouldn't be mad at that person. You don't have the <laughs> perception is, oh, now I got to listen to him or her. No, you should be honored to listen to him or her because now they can help you get to where you want to go, get to where you want to go. I think, like, let's go back to the upbringing. Uh, you said uh, people come from broken homes. I didn't know my, my dad. You know, I got two other brothers. So it was three boys in the house. But you know what my mom did? She made us jo- uh, play sports. And you brought up teamwork. Mm-hmm. So for, so from a young age, you know, we had this teamwork. And coming into the military, it was never an individual thing. It was always a team. You didn't go to basic 
as an individual person. No, once you got the basic, it was a whole platoon 30 plus that you had to pass basic with these 30 other so uh, men and women, you know? So I think building that team yeah, uh, is going to help out a lot. There's two things he said. I think that one thing is when we promote that young specialist to a sergeant, why haven't we started when we knew they were promotable? Why hadn't we started putting them in leadership positions? So then when they put that rank mm-hmm. on, it's already, I've already been doing this. Mm-hmm. I've already been in charge of PT in the morning. I've already been marching from point A to point B. I've already been in charge of a detail because I'm promotable. So that that transition is easier for that young sergeant and those soldiers because he's already in charge of those people. And the other thing is I challenge your listeners to go a day without using the word I. Oh, yeah. Because that's one of the things I went to a leadership school when I first got this job and we went an entire day without using the word I. So you can't say I wrote that MOI. I wrote that op order. And Furman will tell you when we do something, we get the credit. Yeah. It's always this cell did this. Mm-hmm. Well, who individually did it? We did it as a collective group. Yeah. So so there's no. I did it. It's we did it. And then that's part of that development as a team. We all have the information. We all share ideas. We go to the boss with a collective idea of how to do this. Yeah. So you're really taking, you're, you're talking about taking the possession of it as a group always. We, our, things like that. Using those type of uh, words instead of I, me, mine. Correct. That, you know what? And I couldn't agree more. That's, that's yeah. definitely how, because it does. It puts ownership on everyone. And then they start accepting the leadership of that younger soldier. And, and you also mentioned about the progressive transition of responsibilities. That is key. And I don't care. I don't care where you work. It, you could be in a civilian entity or the military. You've got to. It's one of those things. If you're the if you're the, the head honcho, the guy on top, start delegating down some stuff to yes. allow them to take responsibility yes. and allow them to show you what they're capable of. Back to what Ed said. <laughs> You know, so what no, you got, I was saying, so that was one of the things before I was replaced by funeral firm. Uh, when I first, <laughs> so remember your roots. So I went from being a small group leader to a senior small group leader. And that was one of my goals is to not forget those long hours in the classroom and try to manage that better. And I had one soldier who we all know his name starts with a K. Uh, he would not let me say we, everything was, I this, I that. And I was like, no, you mean we did. But the, one of the challenges too, so was that I had the one soldier who was, they just would not make a decision and I'd empower them and tell them, make a decision. And these are NCOs, senior NCOs. And, and so that was one of the struggles that I had, like make a decision. Cause I can tell you when I was at SGL, my seniors, Hey, they weren't around. They had left for the day. I was making a decision. I wasn't going to be like, Oh, I got to wait till they come back. And even at the senior level, that's a challenge still. Um, and then the biggest thing I took from my roots is I am not afraid to grab a mop and wax that stinking green hallway in the old first platoon hallway by myself uh, because it looked terrible after the students did it. I'm not afraid to roll my sleeves up. And I can tell you for a fact, firm is not either and and do some work. So and that was something that I took from way back as E4. I was like. You know, we're working late, but Sergeant is sitting on his desk doing nothing. You know, back then there was no cell phone. So he was literally just sitting on his desk watching us work when if he grabbed that other mop, we'd be done sooner. 
And that was another thing that I was like, hey, as I develop, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work alongside the soldiers when I can uh, to build that camaraderie, that trust, that teamwork and that relationship. But yeah, that, so remember my roots at the academy. Yeah. I never thought I was bigger than anybody else until I became the CFDIC instructor that I knew I was bigger than the rest of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have a point, too. For example, we were talking on the way over here. Sergeant Furman and I were not here yesterday, but there was a meeting. There mm-hmm. was no doubt that we weren't going to put out the information at that meeting. So the lowest person here went to the meeting, mm-hmm. briefed the slides in front of the boss. Mm-hmm. So that's that that us mentoring so she can go over there, give that briefing. Mm-hmm. And we have total confidence that she's going to represent exactly what we want mm-hmm. him to know. And she's able to answer those questions. Again, that dissemination of information and communicating with her. And do you need to, you need to practice this? Nope. I got it. I know exactly <laughs> what you want and said. So again, that goes back to that supervision, yep. that spot checking. And then look, when we came in, that email was here and it gave us a back brief of what was said and what were the responsibilities we had from that meeting. I, I think that a lot of times we don't do that, that last piece. Mm-hmm. We don't check to see what happened. We just go, okay, that happened. Good. We're moving on. What's the next 50 meter target instead of going, what's happened? What is our responsibility? What did you do? What do you need to do next time? If you had to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's that once again, transparency and communication, those are elements that are, that are what key, uh, I want to jump into though, because there was a key word here about humility and we're talking, basically we're talking about, don't forget your roots. Ed brought up about waxing floors. He was a sergeant first class in the army, waxing floors in a hallway that usually we have specialists, E4s do. With that, if you think back to uh, things that you've done, and and I'm speaking, let me give you an example. I'm moving a bunch of water jugs at my company as the first sergeant, moving these water jugs, and I have Joe's walking up. No, 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 let me do it for you. I'm like, no, I'm more than capable to do this with you, but you're not doing it for me. You've experienced that, both of you. I want to hear your thoughts on that, each one of you. Uh, I empty the trash in the office every Friday, whether it's my trash, his trash in the Mm -hmm. classroom. You have to be part of it to be part of a team to build the trust. If, you know, if someone has an appointment, then we step up. We do quarterly evals on people. (laughs) If he can't do it and he calls me and says, I need you to do it. Mm -hmm. Sure. I go do it. it. It's just part of that building that team mm-hmm. that you do. And and he has the ability and and his mindset says, I know that he's going to say yes. <laughs> I know that he's <laughs> going to do it because yeah. I've done it for him. Yep. Because that's the relationship that we built that we're a team. We do things for each other. So if he's overloaded, he says, hey, I didn't get to that. Can you do that? I got I got it. He's not scared to know that you you would still go make the copies if he needs it. And I'm not and I'm not holding it against him if he can't do it. No. That's the piece that we we sometimes mm-hmm. forget. Oh, he's not doing his job. Well, it's not that he's not doing his job. It's that he's prioritized and that's the least priority, but he wants to get it done, so he's asked someone for help. Mm-hmm. We can ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help if you build that trust mm-hmm. and that communication and you all have the same common goal. What is it we do to get our job or be more proficient at what we do? Mm-hmm. And I'm probably going to use this word wrong because uh, Ryan hates it. But I'm a caveat off that. <laughs> oh, you're giving us a warning? That's, that's yeah. an NCO. Um, um, <laughs> and I was being NCO. Like we, we have to 
we have to <laughs> think that as well. Like, like, like uh, Ed said, we can't be, we can't think we're bigger than taking out the trash, waxing the floor. Okay, just because we told the specialist to do it, regardless of if that specialist do it wrong or not, yeah. we can't be bigger. If that specialist asks for help, we can't be like, oh, I'm not helping you. I'm a staff sergeant. I'm a song first class. Right. We got to get out of that mm-hmm. mindset. Uh, but going back to what you said about the water jugs, uh, here at the academy, we have a, a, a thing or uh, truth to tags for a duty platoon. And uh, I had a soldier uh, <laughs> by the name of W. w. Uh, he know who he is, if you if hear it. You know, my man, Eric. Oh, uh, I already know who it is. Uh, he, uh, I just always tell him, hey, this is, this is what we got to do for duty you know, and and every week or every time we had do do, he would do it, but it seemed like he would do it by himself. You know, what I'm saying so. I was like, all right, I'll go help help him out. And he, like you, he said, why, why are you helping me? You, yeah. You're the platoon sergeant. You're not supposed to be. Dude, let's just get it done as a team. And then I talked to the other cadre and were like, why? You know, later on. But it's that mindset. That yeah, I can't be bigger than this because if it don't get done, that leader is gonna get. The, the butt chewing, you know, yeah. you know it, regardless, that leader is going to get the butt chewing. So why to avoid that butt chewing? Why not just help out? Mm-hmm. So we have to get that out of our mind. Like we're not bigger than anybody, you know, you know, take it from that. A lesson I learned, it was literally in basic training. If you remember in basic, you guys definitely remember basic training. Uh, you do the obstacle courses, yes. I want to say. So at the very end, you usually have a detail of people that do the cleanup of the area. And we mm-hmm. were straightening out sandbags. There was a sergeant first class who was in charge of that range, so to speak. He was out there fixing the sandbags with us. And we were all kind of in shock and awe because you're a brand new private. Yeah. You don't deal with sergeant first classes, really. You see a lot of staff sergeants, maybe one sergeant first class, yeah. a first sergeant. a cap. So, like, those are shining stars in your eyes. And he's out there and he's giving us words of advice. It was the first time I ever heard it. Never act like you can't do the same work at any rank as the soldiers you work with. And, I'm, and when he said work with, not that work for you, but you work with mm-hmm. that stood with me for years. And it still does. I think about it all the time and I don't, I don't know his name. Yeah. I, I just remember his face and I remember him saying that to me. So one of the things he said about getting your butt chewed. Yeah. I would tell you that it's good to get your butt chewed. It's, yeah. it's communication. Yeah. And it means somebody cares. Yeah. Facts. And instead <laughs> of trying to avoid it all the time, do what you think is right. Mm-hmm. And then learn from that if you get chewed out you go okay i learned i got i got to do it different next time but that means somebody cares and because they could say oh get out the way i'm gonna have him do it yeah without chewing you out so that means somebody cares and i think sometimes i know that mr butler and i live by that rule when we were platoon stars if someone didn't come say something to us that week we were like we didn't push the envelope far enough <laughs> yeah so i i really think that we get in that communication piece and just because it's not positive or just because it's not negative doesn't mean that you can't communicate and get your point across. And, and I think we, we have to realize that. Hey, I think that's a, a hey, go ahead. that's a valid point too. And the other thing about butt chewing, it just builds scar tissue so that when you're not afraid, to, you're not afraid of a butt chewing after a while, you know, you take those first few and then you're like, you're not afraid of it to the point where you're not going to make a decision you're going to be hesitant because you don't, you know, I think about soldiers sitting around the motor pool and it's 1700 and you're like, Hey, why are you here? Oh, the platoon, the platoon sergeant hasn't come back from his meeting. So we weren't released. Okay, go home. I, I'll, I'll call you if we need you. 
But young E5s don't want to make those kind of decisions because they're afraid of that butt chewing. After you take a few, just trust me, it, it just builds some scar tissue and you're fine. Yeah. Going back to what Brian said earlier about the texting. So it was uh, my two <laughs> other brothers, my two other, uh, my 11 Bravo, Bravo brothers when we was over there all together at the academy. When we didn't get a text, we came to each other and was like, what do we do wrong? Because <laughs> we haven't gotten the text in over three hours. Let's find out what we do. So it, it, it's like you said, uh, and it's, it's good to have that butt showing. So we knew, we knew if we didn't get a text, bro, huh? Hey, what's going on today? Either he had an appointment. <laughs> or, hey, something's going down. We did something wrong. Let's find out. Yeah. Let's fix yeah. it. Yeah. Or let's let's go to him. Ask yeah. What's going on? What did we do? And it's, it's fortunate. Yeah, he, it sometimes he said, no, nah, y'all didn't do nothing. I, you know, I, I, I got, I'm catching up on my work. Yeah. I'm going to let y'all catch it up. I'm letting y'all catch up on your work. Or it was, yeah, this happened. I was going to push it out later. But since you realize this happened, I'm going to tell y'all now. And we fixed it. <laughs> yeah. he, gave us, he, gave us, he gave us that trust in us that we could fix it without him getting involved. Now, if we needed him, obviously, if we went to him. But yeah. I I, I remember that well. <laughs> oh, I, I know you guys here because I, I, I specifically remember talking to one of those brothers. Yeah. You know, saying he's brothers of mine too. Yeah. I would say actually he still works here, and he's like, "Can you just come see me when you need?" I'm like, "Bro, I'd love to, but it's like there's a thousand things popping." Yeah. And you know, it's crazy uh, where I'm at now. I am literally about a half a mile to well, I think I'm more like three quarters of a mile from the rest of my organization. Yeah. My company is in one location, and I'm like, "Yeah, there's no way I'm going." To drive over there every time something I'm let's get, keep open communication and call me if you need me and all this so we use it a lot more mm-hmm. but I think they it's a different situation like here yeah. I probably should got off my keister and walked a little bit more but hey whatever uh, but let's go into <laughs> let's go right into the next point <laughs> and stop laughing so much it's no, horrible but <laughs> so I was actually thinking Brian how fortunate because I work in a skiff now so there's no cell phones so the platoon sergeant puts out like all this stuff and. I keep telling the platoon sergeant, hey, uh, you want to send me an email? And the platoon sergeant says, oh, no, no. You know, I, I text him. I said, oh, where's your phone at? Well, it's out in the locker. Okay, so is mine, guy. How am I getting your messages, though? <laughs> but now I'm thinking that after after working for Brian and getting all those messages, how fortunate I am now that I don't have to carry a cell phone. <laughs> Oh, it's horrible. All right, whatever. All right, we're going to move on <laughs> to learn from our mistakes. Because obviously I've had to learn a lesson. But the, the next the next point to, to kind of like teach and to help mentor uh, younger uh, leaders, Joes, soldiers, NCOs, uh, is learning from your mistakes, you'll make plenty of them. I know between the four of us, we've all made, just we've made huge mistakes and small mistakes that have taught us lessons throughout. What do you think you've <laughs> learned from being able to make those mistakes? What I've learned is is acknowledge the mistake, first of all, because sometimes the leader don't know that it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if nobody tell you it was a mistake, then you don't know it's a mistake. But if you if you physically know it's a mistake, you as a leader that's making a mistake, you, you have to acknowledge it. Case in point, uh, I want to say last year um, there was a meeting set for a specific time. Me personally, I pushed up that meeting time, but I didn't tell the head shed. The head shed meaning the deputy commandant first sergeant at Branch Street. Uh, and the meeting happened, but everybody wasn't there. But and, and 
the the first time I walked in, it was like, who set this meeting at this time, and why was it set at this time? So I I didn't say first time it was me. Um, I said this time because I said this time for this meeting for A, B, and C. That first time was like, oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, I wish you would have told me first because everybody's not here at this meeting. I owned up to it. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. You know, but it ate at me like the whole day. So the next day I went to that first heart. Like I was like, hey, I really apologize that I set that meeting without telling you. And the first one was like, no, nah, no, nah, you, you straight. Just just let us know. It was just eating at me. I needed to go apologize. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so I think you just have to own that mistake, first of all. Right. Acknowledge it. And then however you move on from it, don't make it again. Obviously, learn from it. That kind of leads me into the next thing, but I wanted to, before I lead into that, you talked about, you said you apologized. Yes. It was a sincerity because you actually, you dwelled upon it and you thought about, I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have done this. Yes. But, and that's the whole point is when you do make a mistake and you say you do have to apologize, you got to make sure it's sincere because if it's not, I mean, then it's just open. It's, it's just whatever. It's nothing. It, it means nothing to anyone. If it's just like, yeah, I just messed up. Sorry about that. Whatever. Like that doesn't, that means nothing. But, what I did want to hit upon, you said, if you keep making mistakes, when we notice this, you know, how, what is the, uh, what would we say to a young NCO if one, they're dealing with somebody who constantly makes the same mistake over and over, or that young NCO is making the same mistakes over and over? What are your thoughts on that? I think you deal with that with a thought process and decision making. Right. And, and see what kind and see why they're making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Ask them. Okay, you were late this morning. What'd you do because you were late? Well, I have a clock. Okay, what's your backup plan? Mm. I don't have a backup plan. Next time they're late. Okay, we've talked about this once. What's your backup plan? Well, I have a, I have a clock and I have a watch and I have a phone. And what happened? The electricity went out, so none of it worked. So what's your backup plan now? Mm. How about battery operated clock? Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. So you, so, so you analyze that mistake and then... You make you don't make the decision for them. You allow them to understand why they're continuing to make the mistake. And, and it's the same thing. We have problems with people who talk disrespectful to people oh. on a continuous basis. Mm-hmm. Would you like to be talked like that at someone like that? Well, no. Then why do you do it? So you give them that thought process. So they go, well, what's a better way for me to do that? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that when you have young NCOs, those mistakes are learning examples Mm -hmm. on how to teach them how not to make the same mistake over and over throughout that time frame. Right. And I think that if you don't, and you just say, okay, you made a bad decision this time, let's move on. That's when they don't learn and they continue to make the mistakes. But if you sit down and you talk about it and you analyze what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So here's the friction point. Here's where we're having the problem. How do we fix that? It's not everything you didn't because we go under the assumption that if you're a dirtbag, you're a dirtbag for your whole life. That's not necessarily true. You can have a bad day mm-hmm. or you can have a bad week. But what you have to do is you have to go back and you have to analyze why did I have a bad day? Why did I have a bad week? Where did I contribute to the problem? Where was I part of the problem? Mm-hmm. And once you find that out, then you can go on the right trail. I tell that to my kids all the time. You can, I don't have mine with you having a bad day. But you can't you can't have a bad week. You can't have a bad month and that not self-reflect because you're part of the problem if you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. You kind of said that. And I, I think about um, just recently, it was actually yesterday. I saw an article that was on it was on Facebook, whatever. And it was a soldier that just got out of the army who was in my unit. 
Uh, and it's talking about how the new ACFT, it's going to change. It's a, it's a game changer. And you're going to see people, failures and all this stuff, and how the non-commissioned officer, the leader, uh, the trainer, because they're supposed to be the primary trainer, they're going to have to help soldiers get through this. And so the article was really cool. But then right above it was his comment. It's bothered me ever since I've seen it. It was, yeah, it would work if they cared about more than just their NCOER, right? And that's one of those things that I, th- I think to myself, it's like, now I'm curious is why that kid would say that because he's no longer in the service anymore, but it still bothers me. Like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by like it. Is there something that I need to know about that? Hey, there are people that don't care about and they don't have that generally genuine concern or was he just being spiteful? You know I mean? I don't know. Uh, it, it could happen that way, but I think about that of your, what you just brought up, Rick was building relationships. Yeah. That's exactly what that is. Part of building that relationship also is you giving your expectations and your standards. Because if you do that, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about that NCOER. Do you ever worry about your NCOER, Furman? Stop worrying about my NCO about 10 years ago. And, and, and <laughs> the other person yeah. that works for me, they don't worry about their NCOER. Because guess what? When you do things throughout the year, it's yeah. going to write itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's going to write itself from your performance. And I think some people... They are scared to make the mistakes because they're scared it's going to reflect on that particular evaluation. And they think it's going to ruin their career, but they don't realize it's a building block. Yes. That's all it is. If you do 100 things good for the year and then you do one thing, that one thing is probably never, ever going to come up again afterwards. If you're doing the coach counseling and mentoring piece like you're supposed to. And, and I think that we use that word mentor a lot, mm-hmm. but we don't do it with our junior NCOs. We do it with our seniors really well because they have that because I think that we know we think that they're invested when they become a senior. Because if you think about it realistically, most of the people that make E4 to E5 don't stay in the army. No. So when you get to be that E6, E7, E8, then you're looking for that mentor or that mentor grabs you. Whereas that mentorship should really start as an E4. Absolutely. And for that, you to be an NCO, you should find a mentor. I don't care if it's at a schoolhouse, your last duty assignment, someone that you could talk to about career aspirations and talk frank and candidly about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's it. It's it's understanding, too. We even, Ed and I have done an episode about mentors and mentorship, and we went through a whole, it's like a three-part series almost. Uh, oh, no, it's two-part series. But it's understanding, too, that they're going to help you through those times where you're you're learning from your mistakes. They're because if I make a mistake, I mess up and I go, I get old. And I think I have actually reached out to you and said, hey, what do you think about this? It helps you see it, get them to see it from a different perspective sometimes. Uh, someone recently brought up to me about a certain individual and how they seem very, uh, uh, how do I say this? Like they're constantly, they don't get things done. All right. They're, 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 pro, they're not proactive. They're just very slack. And I said, well, do you know what's going on in their life? Do you understand what's going on? Maybe they're struggling here because of all this other stuff. Got to get to know them first. So absolutely. Uh, Let's move on. Let's get into the next little area. So it's literally, it says communicate, communicate, communicate. (laughs) When we think about communicate, communicate, communicate. Ed, you got anything on that? Uh, So we've been talking about it kind of the whole time. So we talked about laying out your expectations when we talk about evals, like that effective communication. Um, and with these young soldiers uh, or young leaders, not only do they need to communicate down, but they need to communicate up. So I had an E7 and I came to him as an E5 promotable, I think already. And I realized that he would give me stuff 
And I would make it happen, but I wasn't going back to them and say, hey, Sarn, this is done. That did that. Hey, we changed this location system. So his big thing was his pet peeve was feedback. And I, as a communicator, I was I would never give feedback. I just do what I was supposed to do and keep it moving. So he that's something I picked up from um from him when I was at Fort Drum. And it's important. So it's important for you to, you know, communication is both ways for these young leaders. It's not just them to the subordinate, but they need to go back up as well. And then what we say before, Brian, the leader needs to learn to shut their mouth and listen to what the soldier's saying. And they'll know twice as much because the soldier will tell you what you want to hear eventually. Just close your mouth and stop, you know, well, you know, back when I was in the 82nd, just listen to the soldier first. And and that effective communication will be uh, a good tool for a young leader. That's actually a class that they teach here effective communication if i'm not mistaken was there anything you could take from that class at all Furman, when you were because you were you were you teaching the newer format or you were over here when we started doing that yeah yeah uh is there anything you you take from that effective communication especially because you're you're training instructors now you're teaching instructors how to instruct is anything you take from that uh i do not because Communication is big for me, and I, I say that I tell uh, uh, Rick this all the time. Like I hate, I, so I hate to say, or I hate to tell people I don't know. Yeah, I, that's my biggest pet peeve. Oh, Sergeant Farmer, what's going on? Oh, I don't know. What? What are you? I supposed to know? <laughs> um, and, and and communication is big to me. So with the with the effect of communication, like it hit it on the spot. Just just be quiet and listen. Mm-hmm. When you become an effective. When you become an effective listener, mm-hmm. you will become an effective communicator because <laughs> uh, now you can dissect of what this person, what that person either mean or or their intent. Um, we have someone in our office that is not an effective listener, <laughs> and we harass that person <laughs> all the time because we have to repeat conversations during the conversation. During the conversation. <laughs> really? Yes. Man, I wish she wasn't in the other office. She was, I mean, that person was over here. <laughs> and, and, and to go with Firm is talking about, it's listening versus hearing. Yeah. So listening, you're actively engaged. There's some body contact, some nodding, mm-hmm, some intro. Hearing is just noise. Yeah. And sometimes we'll say things and a perfect example. They were off last Friday. Yes. So the day before, Furman's walking out the door. Uh, I'll see y'all Monday. This person says, we're off tomorrow? Huh? <laughs> we were talking about eating lunch tomorrow. <laughs> you, you weren't. And we're, we're like, where were you? We had this discussion twice this week. I don't know. Nobody told me. No, it's not you didn't know. You weren't listening mm-hmm. in the conversation. <laughs> or we'll go, okay, there's a Manning issue. Why? What do you mean why? We just sat here for a half an hour and discussed how we're going to reevaluate this Manning issue. <laughs> oh, it didn't pertain to me, so I didn't listen. I was <laughs> like, oh, we need to work on that. <laughs> so one of the key points that the author puts in here is talks about uh, listening or communication. It's, it's, a, it's not an easy effort, and it takes time. Uh, to master in a sense, if you were to rate each of you, if you were to rate newly promoted Sergeant E5, you to who you are now, how would you kind of compare your communication skills? Uh, Obviously he's gotten better, (laughs) (laughs) but I I, I disagree with 
with what this author said really? about, about that. You've been communicating all your life. So how does your communication change when you go to, like, you play sports? Right. You go to the military. You do, you retire from the military. You're, you've been communicating something all your life. Now, how you communicate that and mm-hmm. what they listen or how you how you mean to say things and they they think I, I think he said that i think she said that that might take time of how you communicate interpretation interpretation yeah. yes but you've been you've been communicating since you was two maybe um i mean that's how we learn things exactly so me being from e5 to e7 first of all i, I knew i knew how i was going to communicate with my subordinates by way how it was communicated to me. I knew what I wanted to tell my section leader, my squad leader, my platoon sergeant. You know, uh, you should go in already prepared to know what to say, know how to say it. Uh, when I when I came here, I took over from a great senior. Um, I, I didn't, technically I, I, I changed, I want to say I changed about 2% of what he did, yeah. but it ran itself. I came here, when I came here, I had the best platoon because I, I inherited a butt to the best platoon. And, and one of the things was we, we, we had a, a, a young E6 here. Uh, she was a... Uh, I've seen her recently, by the way. Yes. I hope she's doing well. Yeah. But uh, she was she was, she was was scared to do stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, you know and, and, and Ed here told me the things that he would tell her to do, whether whether she did it whether she did a mistake with it or she just didn't do it. So I was like, okay, then let me see if I can do stuff different. Mm-hmm. So case in point, uh, she never driven a gator. She was too afraid of it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So he recognized that she was too afraid of it. And for whatever reason, he just did it or somebody else just did it. One day she had to go to the latrine and had the Porter Johns out. So I was like, uh, well, how are you going to get there? And she goes, you have to take it to the gator. One, I don't have to do the latrine. I'm gonna stay here with the soldier. So uh, let's see if you can drive the latrine or drive to the latrine. You're yeah. She did it. She never got off the gator again. So I think communicating that with with you with your board is if they're afraid to do stuff. Yeah. One, they have to tell you. You can't because we're not not mind readers. But I communicated. Look, if this happens, we'll move on from it. Or if this mistake happens, let's talk about it. So it's it's how you communicate. Yeah, I, I definitely say there were some uh, senior NCOs who were committed to not ride the Gator with me any longer, and he, I guess he was scared of his. I don't know. He tore his, yeah. was scared of his life. You know? so, would, uh, wait but, a minute. But that's, wait you know, a minute. I mean, you and that Gator. That's why I never got off the Gator though, because you were a bad influence. But nobody's riding with you on that Gator, Brian. I seen. Remember our race? Remember the race? And you cut through the woods. Nobody's riding with you on that thing. Oh. <laughs> Hey, let's, uh, that, that, you know, they can go back 10 years, so let's not talk about it, okay? Uh-huh. No investigations, all right? Yeah. Now, I mean, it's just, it's funny because one of the last things he talks about in that little area, he actually references the NCO Creed, and we, we say lots of things about, I, I kind of like, I like what it says. It says, I will communicate consistently with my soldiers and never leave them un- uninformed. I think that goes back to that whole, that whole thing of being transparent and open through the trust that you build. And it's just as, and we got this guy over here unplugging his phone. <laughs> He's like, no one's calling me anymore. 
I'm not even cutting that out. So. <laughs> so one of the things I saw with that, the piece that we're talking about is I understand what Furman said, but I would tell you that I learned more from my children about communicating than I did in the army. Really? Uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, when I got back from Afghanistan, I yelled at my kid, teenager, you, you yell at teenagers. <laughs> um, so I've had my wife come to me and go, let's take a walk. So we're walking and she goes, you don't know your son at all. And I go, what do you mean? I don't know my son name, social, what he's done, all of that. Right. <laughs> so she goes, you don't understand when you yell at him, he automatically shuts down and he hears Charlie Brown's teacher. That's all he hears is want what you yelling, no, mm-hmm. no information passes or anything. But if you talk to him, he'll come back to you later and tell you you're right. Or maybe I should have did it this way. Had no clue. And she told me straight up, you can't teach him to be a soldier. He's not a soldier. So I said, okay, I'm going to try this. So I talked to him about, you know, parking in the driveway, not blocking the other cars in, stuff like that. And it was like, wait a minute. He then comes and says, you're right. I was being selfish. I shouldn't have, I should, I can just pull up in the beginning of the driveway. Everyone can get in and out. I just wasn't thinking. Okay. I got it. I totally understand that. But I wouldn't have had that same, as a young E5, I wouldn't have had that same mindset to be receptive Mm -hmm. to someone challenging the way my leadership style was because that's what I was taught. Mm -hmm. And then when I became an E7, I had my mentor tell me, you're the smartest person I know, but you always yell and I don't understand. (laughs) So I said, well, that's because that's what my squad leader did. And my platoon sergeant did. It was a learned trait. It, it was, do you want to get somebody's attention? Yell at them. Yeah. So then I stopped yelling. I just stopped yelling. Mm-hmm. Now, every kid now and then, if someone tweaks, I, I might have a flashback. No like I, in the classroom last time. In yes. the classroom. Yes, wait. <laughs> he yelled in the classroom? Yes. Someone said something? No, he said somebody's taking long. He's like, let's go. And the, the whole bull- classroom was like, wait a minute. What just happened? So I understand that, Mm -hmm. and I understand how to communicate. I I also think that you have to learn people and how you can talk to people. Mm -hmm. We have instructors here. I can walk up and say, "Hey, how's your day today?" or "Good morning," and they will tell me their life story from the last time we talked. But we have other instructors that will you can say "Good morning," go "Good morning" in your world and walk away. Yeah. So I, th- I think it comes to knowing your audience, mm-hmm. who you're talking to, also mm-hmm. in that communication piece, um, and genuinely caring. Yeah. I could tell you something about all of the 65 instructors that work here. I can tell you either where they live, where they came from, what kind of car they drive, their favorite team, and we can get in the door of discussing like that. Yeah. And we can discuss anything, whether it's civilian or military related. We can get in the door mm-hmm. just by something you know or something they've said in a past communi- uh, conversation. 
So you store that information that you've had before to get in the door to talk and communicate with that person, whether you're trying to help them improve or whether they're doing a good job. And the last piece is, I think we don't tell people they do a good enough job enough. We expect them to do right, but we don't say, hey, I watched you today. That was a great job. And just walk away. I don't have to write it. I just give you that affirmation that you did something good. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel good. It helps your day. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it can't be overinflated either. You know right. what I mean? It's right. like you, you legitimately have to be like, hey, I noticed you did this. Great job. But if it's just like, hey, great job at waking up. Come on, work today. Like, yeah, got you. You did your job. No. Because I know people like that. It's like, hey, it's so wonderful that you actually made it. Well, no, you're supposed to. Hitting off uh, what Rick said. Uh, when I first became over here, when I, when I, when I inherited <laughs> the facilitation, was a facilitator uh, <laughs> position over here in CFDIC. Uh, you got to get two. Well, I had to get two, get evaluated twice on two classes. Right, it's two classes that I, I I got to choose, which I thought I was the master at. Uh, one of them, Mr. Uh, Rick here, evaluated me. He's like, "Good job, good job, good job." Uh, okay, cool. Based off him evaluating me, me before, I took whatever negative he said about it. And I, I made it into a positive. Good job, good job. <laughs> oh, Ed here evaluated my second one. He was like, uh, you didn't do too good, but you did good enough. <laughs> but I was more receptive to that than yeah. me having like 100% go, whatever. Not saying Rick gave me 100%, but I was more receptive. Because now I knew, based off what he said, what I had to improve on. So going back to what we are afraid to say, what we're afraid to hear, you have to tell that person too as well. Mm-hmm. You're going down this this deep hole mm-hmm. of negativity. Oh right? yeah, and they have to be receptive to uh, receptive to listening to that mm-hmm. and taking it. Okay, so and so said this about me, and not having an attitude because that's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear everything I did good or great. Tell me something I can improve on. Is room for improvement for life. So, you know, just tell me that. Communicate good, bad, and indifferent to your juniors. Yeah, absolutely. Which got Ed. So, so going back to the example which involved me, (laughs) so (laughs) the reason something like that is also easy. So, I don't know what it is about Firm, but from the day we met, Firm and I kind of hit it off. Uh, Other than him putting his towel on my couch all the time after he showered and I have to sit beside it. But, so firm and I hit it off. So at that point, when he came over there, I was comfortable enough and I understood who firm was to be honest with him. You know what I mean? Like I knew I can be a hundred percent honest and say, Hey, you were okay, but you weren't great. And he's going to take that and be like, okay, that's fuel for him to get better. He wasn't going to be like, you know, profanity, profanity, this, that, because I knew who he was, we had that trust going back to the very beginning of this uh, episode. We had that trust between us already. So it was easy. I don't think I said it like that either. I'm pretty sure I said, hey, you know, you were good. So you got some improvement. I feel like that's probably what was said. But then I'm also old and my memory is bad. Yeah, we know. You know what? And that, that I think that kind of revolves us into the next point, the next topic. Ed talks about lifelong learning all the time on the show. It's like one of the key things we bring up all the time, but it's commit to self-improvement and committing yourself to self-improvement. 
that that's right there what you did. You you basically said, I know there was something wrong, or I know there's areas I need to work on, and you committed yourself to making those adjustments. Let me ask you this. As a junior NCO, when you when you have a junior NCO who's trying to commit to self-improvement, what are some recommendations we can give them to say, hey, listen, I understand you think you know X, but you could actually improve here, here, here. What are you all thinking? To me, it's read, read, read. Okay. We have stopped reading as a force, and now we only read when we're forced to read. Right. Whereas if you give someone like this article we read. Mm-hmm. This is excellent for a junior NCO. They could write this down and go, okay, I'm going to put a check mark. What happens today? What happens today? What happens today? Which of these apply to me? Mm. And that's, that's great. But we've gotten to the point where we don't read. We take our experience and an assumption and what someone says, mm. and that turns into our experience. Instead of, you know, how many people can quote what it says out of 670-1, what the mustache is supposed to look like? They don't know what it's supposed to say because they haven't read it. Yeah, They're going by what they've been told time and time and time. Instead of reading it one time and then going, I understand what Sarah Weber said now. Uh, I got it. Now I can make that correction as a junior NCO when I go to the PX or when I do something else. I can make that but I have to read. I'm not saying read every regulation, but I'm saying read things that apply to your job. Mm-hmm. Read things that apply to being a leader because you've said you wanted to be a leader. You've been, you've been shown that you have the potential. Read things about being a leader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Rick, you brought up something interesting. I cannot be – am I the only one who's NCO made them read regulations when you came in here? Because we all came in about the same time. Am I the only one who was made to read regulations when you were coming up? No, no, no. I, I was made to read it, um, but I think it was it was better understood to me when my leader broke it down better. Oh yeah. Um, because like 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 Rick said, you can read anything and not understand it. But if I say, "Did you read six seventy dash one?" They were like, "Yeah," but that follow up question should be, "Did you understand it?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, I'll let you finish whatever you wherever you was going with that. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. So we 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 were brought up like that, and like Rick said, you kind of got away from it. Like, so I was artillery first, and um, man, I knew everything about that gun. But then, so like you said, firm. Then when we went to the field, that's where my section sergeant was like, "Okay, what's this? What's that? What's this do?" And then the next thing you know, as a PFC, I'm I'm an, an assistant gunner, firing, you know, pulling the string, get a cookie, go boom. Uh, so it helped you develop, but now everything's at your fingertips. And I think that's part of the problem is, okay, I'm not sure about that. Let me give it a Google. Um, but reading is also something I picked up from Rick. Yeah. So remember when you went to school, when you went to what is ALC and SLC, what was the first thing they did for you? They gave you regulatory guidance. Mm-hmm. They gave you books. They either gave you a milk yes. crate or a duffel bag, and you had to carry the books back and forth. You highlighted them. You tabbed them. You were in the books. That's where that term yeah. came from. You were in the books learning. And it wasn't your specific yeah. MOS. It was about the Army and how it worked. Mm-hmm. And I think we've gotten away from mm-hmm. that because we put everything at the fingertips, and we don't do the research into the regulatory guidance. If you have an inspection, ASU inspection, maybe we do a class on where the – 
awards and decorations go, but I need you to get a five by eight card or three by five card and write down what the measurements for a male are, what they are for a female, and you bring that to formation when you do your ASU inspection. So then I can now gauge learning. I can assess if you understand, like Sergeant Furman said, I can understand if you know what you're talking about or if you just read it because it was a, a, an assignment. It's funny you brought that up. Uh, I've been in a unit where people would come to me and say, hey, what are all the unit citations to put on that uniform? <laughs> I, I don't know. So let me figure it out. So what I had, I had to do, no joke, with this organization was I had to go back and look at the history. And in the history, it said then the unit was given this. Then the unit was given this. And that's and that's exactly what it is. It's getting into that detailed information and say, all right, I've got to figure it out myself. Now, I know that this unit has this many presidential unit citations, so we all need to be wearing it on that uniform. Oh, by the way, they need to be centered at a certain height above all this stuff. And it, and it is. It's, it's getting in there and finding out the real answer. Instead, I find, this is what I find sometimes, is it's hearsay or we all have heard about the barracks lawyer type situation. Oh, well, they can't really kick you out of the army mm-hmm. for that. Well, let's not worry about why. Let's just, why don't you try to do what's right, you know, according to regulation by reading it instead of listening to Joe Schmuckatelli over here. We use Schmuckatelli a lot, by the way. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know? Nice. Yeah. Well, one of the things I do with every chain of command that comes in here, I give them a briefing what our cell does. Mm-hmm. And then I say, now, I'm always going to give you the regulatory guidance. So I'm either going to read it out, the the CMP or the regulatory guidance. If you want my opinion, you have to say, you have to, say to me, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Once you say, what do you think, then I'm not giving you the regulatory guidance. I'm giving you my opinion. But I'm always going to give you the regulatory guidance first. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, that's kind of what you got from. Also, what, what I think. Is, it's not a setup, but I think he does this on the low. Rick, Rick, that is, is like whenever he has something. Going back to read, read, read. When he has something uh, that that comes from his boss to read, he gives it to me and, and my partner, and we read it. Now, mm-hmm. the reason why I say it's a setup <laughs> <laughs> because it's information uh-huh. that we probably don't even know about. But instead of him telling us to a hey, read this to better understand it. He goes, can you proofread this and see if I'm reading it? Or let, let me see if you're thinking what it say than what I'm thinking what it say. Mm-hmm. We all digest it. So that, that's the setup part. It's, he's yeah. really telling us <laughs> to read it, <laughs> to better understand it. Yeah. But he goes about it in a different, different way. And, mm-hmm. and I like that about it because if he, if he doesn't do that, I'm, I'm, I, I read, I do read. I don't read a lot of military stuff, but I, I know a lot about the military stuff. Right. Um, so I, I just don't. But get it's, into it's it. persuasive in nature. Yes. And it helps yes. you want to read about it. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, yes. And so one of the things I would definitely say is because we, we're talking about self-improvement, self-improvement comes in multiple aspects. It could be whether I'm reading the rhetoric guidance, whether I'm going to school, whether I'm doing military schools. Let me ask you this, especially firm, because you're about to get ready to retire and whatnot. Going to school, say, at a junior rank mm-hmm. as a young uh, specialist or young sergeant. Versus doing it as a senior non-commissioned officer, because I know what it's like. Also, how can you? How would you uh, differentiate those two? Doing back, any type of school, any type of school, going, military not. Going back to what Ed said earlier, ego. Yeah. Take your ego out of it. Right. Case in point, I didn't. I had my ego still when I went to drill sergeant school. Right. 
because my drill sergeant instructor was the same rank as me. I couldn't understand his his position temporarily outrank the rank itself. Right. So I'm like, okay, this dude's an E6. I'm an E6. Why is he telling me to get in parade rest? Why is he, you know, making me do this like I was a private or whatever? Until I realized the position, then I checked my ego at the door. Mm-hmm. So based off whatever school you go you go to, that instructor might be the same rank as you or obviously a rank higher than you. One rank higher than you. But you got to check your ego at the door. You're there for the school. You're not there for the instructor. You're not there, you know what I'm saying, to cause problems, whatever rank you are. You're there for the school to better yourself. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a, it's a big difference. I just think, like Ed said, check your ego before you need to go, before you walk through that door. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing. Absolutely. So, and with that, if I would ask you, Rick, when you look at, when you look at going to, you know, it's like a further education type situation, because I know you, you preach this a lot. You, you preach it with your, your instructors, but you also preach it with those yeah. in the classroom. <laughs> and, and also uh, you obviously did it yourself by getting further education. Would you tell a young NCO it's better to do it early on in their career or later in their career? Uh, the way the army is moving, it's got to be earlier in their career because we're asking them to write. Right. And if you didn't learn to write in high school, mm-hmm. then you're already behind the power curve. Yeah. So I need you to get back in the classroom mm-hmm. and start taking that English 101 so you can make yourself a better leader. So you can then take care of your soldiers when you're writing those awards, those NCOERs. So I think that reading and writing is something the army has to preach. Ed said it earlier. He doesn't want to be a placeholder. No. He wants to be that person in there that has the information to either give you guidance or help make that decision. And if you don't get in the books early, then you're going to be left behind. So I would say that as soon as you can start going to college, um, probably in your third year, because you need to learn your job mm-hmm. and learn the Army. But as soon as you can start taking college, you need to start taking college to improve yourself. If you improve yourself, you'll be a better leader. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and, and it's got to be the way the Army thinks because we're asking every SAR major to have a degree. We're asking MLC to write papers on doctrine. Mm-hmm. So, And we're looking at about 14 and a half years for an E7 to be a Master Sergeant. So that gives you about, what, about 11-year gap to get a degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, but the thing is, is I, I'm not, I'm not, I would never say that the importance should be on writing. It is key. But the reason I say it is good to be able to do that and take those classes is it's effective communication. You know, if if I know I'm not going to be able to talk to you two uh, verbally or through a text message, but I can send an email for some reason, then I need to be able to make it so you understand the details of it or that I deciphered this information correctly that I read. And now, like you said, it's taking regulatory guidance and to be able to translate that so my team, the team that I'm a part of, understands it. And I find that sometimes we get into this habit of using a lot of, of, of like shorthand type things where, you know, the LOLs, we know what those are, laugh out louds and stuff, but sometimes there'll be abbreviations. You're like, I don't remember that being an army acronym. What is that? You know? And then you find out, Oh, they were just shorthanding something in an email that probably could have been lengthened out versus a text message. I understand a text message. I can figure that out. Sometimes I, you know, at my age and you guys know that I got to look up some of <laughs> yeah. them. I'm like, what does that mean? you know, so, uh, yeah. what hey, you got so- in? So the thing is, so with this audience or this uh, group we have together today, right, like all of our experience, like 
the army's going to end. Everybody in this right now, we know that. And I think that that self-improvement piece really helps with that because you're going to get out armed with some kind of college in your background. So I'm thankful. My MOS, you will not make staff sergeant if you don't have some college. And now, in hindsight, I'm I'm thankful for that struggle because I can't say that, honestly, you know, Sergeant E5 Ed would have went to college. So I had to do it. And I think that that is um, – I think it helps, you know, down the line. And like, like you said, like uh, the expectation now, um, and, and if you've ever read some of these people's emails or these evaluations, the need for some kind of writing knowledge is there because when somebody else reads your stuff, like they realize, you know, Hey, this guy is talking just, or he's writing just the way he speaks. And, and now that's their impression of you is that you're not educated and you could be, but the army has changed from what it was, you know, when all of us came in. Yeah. I, you know, I would definitely say that, yes, it, I don't want to say that the, the going to college is the most important thing. Cause you mm. can take, you could, especially as a oh. young sergeant, if you took some of those military classes, the MR master resilience courses, the suicide prevention courses, the sharp courses, the equal opportunity courses, those are all elements that on the civilian sector, if you decide to get out, those are transferable. I mean, it's not like, oh, I got out of the service and I am no longer knowledgeable on this. Like you're actually, and let's say you do stay in. If you stay in, how's that going to help you? Let's just think about that. A suicide prevention course of sorts to be, you know, interv- to intervene. How is that going to help you as a senior non-commissioned officer in an organization? I mean, what, what would you think would come of that in your case, say, Furman? Uh, first, you got to know the knowledge. Um, and then hey, that, that could go a long way. You knowing that knowledge based off what entity you're in, and it goes a long way. Uh, is is suicide is, is one of those where I, I don't really believe in it. Um, because there's, there's for me, I don't think there's anything too rough or too hard. So when you say you don't believe in it, you mean as in like, you don't think, you definitely believe there are other ways to go about things. Yes. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah, a thousand percent. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's all these outlets, whether it's professional, family, that you can get the help you need. Now, if you're just in that mental state, that's a different story. But you hear a lot, you hear a lot of people doing it uh, just because, oh, they were they was alone. Or they thought they didn't have this this person or that person in their life. No, you don't have to be family. You have friends. You didn't grow up alone. You had some type of friend in your school that you went to that you probably can talk to. And if they you can't talk to that person, seek out a stranger or some somebody. There's always people around that you can you can talk to. Absolutely. I, I think his comments are very warranted and just. The only thing is, I think that we're talking about a maturity rate mm-hmm. that we can't control. Right. And I think that's the problem with our younger generation is they we're mature. We understand there are avenues and ways to talk and ways to decipher a problem that we see as, you know, catastrophic. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not. Mm-hmm. I think that we haven't taught our young soldiers how to deal with problems mm-hmm. yet. Absolutely. Well, you know, hey, I think I think this was a great discussion. Uh, I did the math. It's actually 90 years worth of service we have amongst all four of us. Um, Ed, did you have anything anything last before we cut it out? 
No, I just I think that the discussion was there. I think this this would actually I mean, this is a good tool. Hopefully some of our listeners are junior leaders and um, or hopefully some of the listeners are people who have these junior leaders uh, that they're responsible for. Because like all this experience that we have in here to in in this episode is just I mean, it's incredible, Um, even if funeral firm wasn't very nice to me and hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and I would definitely say that uh, what we take from it, I mean, it's, it's obviously our opinions that we've built over the years and what we've learned from our traits, but it's one of those things also that over time you experience the same thing and over and over again, you tend to form an idea or how to deal with something uh, or is it perfect? Probably not. Uh, but we do know, we do understand it. And we're coming from a standpoint of being trainers not only as NCO trainers, but also within schools. So, uh, with that, guys, I, w- I want to thank you both for being a part of it. I really do appreciate you both on here. This is this is amazing. Um, Ed, we're about uh, ready to cut out of here. Uh, before we do, though, let's remind the listeners: two episodes from now is that Q and A show, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. But we've already, we've probably already recorded about the time this <laughs> show comes out uh, because of how we get ahead of things. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that to come out. Remember also one zero one influence. You go in there, join, uh, join the group, join the discussions. And just remember, team, it doesn't matter at what level you are at a leader. It's do the influence, try to do it in a positive light in a sense there's somebody's going to learn something from you and you can you can actually influence them in the right direction. Ed, you got anything else, my man? No, I really appreciate these guys coming on there. Um, you know, I, like I said, I've worked for the, the Bearded Ninja and I work with and was replaced by a funeral firm twice. So uh, these are two influential people along my career path there at the Academy. Uh, I actually read an article every day to start my day. I believe I picked that up from the Ninja at some point. So, (laughs) and I closed my door. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) He does do that. Yeah. All right. With that, I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you so very much for listening. Have a great day.